Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am your host, Tony Serino, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, we are talking about the comments that Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin made at the NFL owners meetings. We have a lot to talk about as far as Ben Roethlisberger's contract extension, the loss of AB, the the draft coming up, the, the busy free agency that the Steelers had. A lot to go over today from that, but we also have rule changes in the NFL, so we'll talk about that today as well. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Tony Serino. You can get more of this podcast by subscribing on the new Himalaya app or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, search Locked On Steelers, hit that subscribe button, make sure to get your daily dose. You can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country. You can find me on Facebook, search Locked On Steelers, hit the like button there, make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find me on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. And let's start today with some news and notes. Rob Gronkowski, the Patriots tight end, announcing his retirement over the weekend. Steeler fans are breathing a sigh of relief, as I'm sure the Steelers' secondary is. He has been such a thorn in the side. I mean, the, the Patriots themselves have been such a thorn in the side of the Steelers. But but Rob Gronkowski has really owned the Steelers in every matchup other than 2018. I mean, 2018 was the exception really all around for that defense. It wasn't just their ability to stop Rob Gronkowski. I mean, they, they really shut down... The Patriots' offense held them to just 14 points. But, you know, we, when, we, when we talked about, you know, the Steelers bringing in players, bringing in linebackers, especially when they brought in Morgan Burnett a year ago, it was about, you know, can this guy cover Rob Gronkowski? That no longer has to be a question in Pittsburgh. And the Steelers are going to have to replace Morgan Burnett this offseason. As we talked about yesterday, he'll be cut here or traded in the next couple of days. Likely, likely cut. I don't think there's going to be a trade partner for Morgan Burnett. But whoever the replacement for Burnett is, no longer have to worry about if they can cover Rob Gronkowski as he has announced his retirement. Former Steelers quarterback Landry Jones has signed with the Oakland Raiders, as did former Bengals inside linebacker Vontez Perfect. They both join Antonio Brown out there in Oakland. And it's too bad the Steelers and the Raiders don't play in 2019 because, boy, what a storyline that would be, right? Antonio Brown clearly the most hated player in Pittsburgh right now, right? Considering the way that he treated the Steelers during his exit. You've got Vontez Perfect, who has been one of the most hated players in Pittsburgh, mostly because of the hit he put on AB in that playoff game a couple years back. But I mean, Perfect was always a dirty player. The hit he put on Le'Veon on the sideline, the, the hit he put on Ben in that same game, knocked him out of the game as well. Perfect's always been a hated player in Pittsburgh. And then Landry Jones, look, I don't want to say Landry Jones was a hated player in Pittsburgh, but I think a lot of Steeler fans were kind of happy to see him go when he was cut at the end of training camp uh, in favor of Josh Jobs. So he signs in Oakland, perfect signs in Oakland, and A.B. has now been traded out there. It is uh, The Steelers-Raiders could become a rivalry again. Uh, unfortunately, they don't play uh, in, the, in the regular season. Maybe they can meet up in the playoffs if Oakland makes it that far. With the NFL owners' meetings happening over the past couple days, it is rule change time in the NFL. And the big one this offseason was the pass interference rule. Would they make pass interference reviewable. And this is not just for pass interference that's called, but pass interference that isn't called, right? Would they make those plays reviewable as well? Because that's the big controversy coming out of the playoffs, coming out of the NFC championship game, that game between the Rams and Saints, where there was an obvious pass interference call that was not called and the the Saints couldn't challenge it. Or I guess that was in the last two minutes. So it really could have been a booth review at that point. The NFL has passed the rule 31 to 1 at the league meeting. The Bengals, the only team voting against this. So offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference, and non-calls all subject 
to review now. A coach can challenge the play, or in the final two minutes, it will be subject to a booth review. Uh, this shouldn't extend the time of the game. See people saying, oh, this is just going to gonna add more challenges. We're going to have more extending of the game. I think that the NFL, first of all, did a good job last year of, of cutting down on some of the commercials, although I'd love to see them go the AAF route of cutting out the commercial between the extra point and the kickoff. Um, that would be... That would be ideal. Actually, getting rid of the kickoff itself would also be a great rule. Uh, but regardless, uh, I, I don't know that this is going to add anything to the game because, uh, again, you still only have three challenges in a game or two challenges, and then if you get them both right, you get a third challenge. So I don't know that this is going to add a whole lot to it. I just don't know that this really addresses the problem here. right? I don't think that replay and the way that replay has been instituted, I've talked about this before, but I don't think replay is the answer to the officiating problems in the NFL. If anything... The, the replay system at this point has become such legalese uh, that we, we used to have a system that was about you know clear and obvious changes, right? And you would have to have indisputable visual evidence to overturn a call. Now, you know, they're, they're stitching angles together and trying to do all this, you know, legal nonsense to come up with what they believe is the correct interpretation when it was supposed to be clear and obvious ones, right? I can agree with making... The, the pass interference call in the NFC Championship game, that should be overturned. But when we're going to start getting into, well, did he grab him? You know, all of this. I just worry that this is going to turn into a lot more pass interference calls, a lot more offensive and defensive pass interference calls than we want. Because again, it's not it's, we're not just going with the clear and obvious ones. Once it goes to replay, they start looking at every little ticky-tack thing in the booth. And, and that's what that's what gets upsetting as a fan of the game. So I don't think this is I don't think this is the right change to make. I think I think there needs to be another change to replay to re-emphasize the fact that this needs to be clear and conclusive evidence that a penalty happened in order to make this change. Otherwise, I just think this is going to lead to more pass interference in the NFL, especially in the final two minutes when it will go to booth review, right? It's one thing for a coach to have to challenge it, see it happen on the, on the field, or get word from the booth that, hey, we should challenge this. But once we get into those final two minutes and we're going to booth review for was that P.I., Boy, that is going to get really old really fast. This is only a review, or the, excuse me, this rule change is only going to happen in the 2019 season. They'll re, they'll re-review this in the 2020 offseason. Uh, this is another one of those rules that that has the potential to really change the game late and change it in a worse way. I understand that this would have fixed the NFC Championship game, but this has unintended consequences where a play that looked like a bang bang, you know, let him play in the end of, in the two minutes, all of a sudden goes to booth review, and now Al Riveron is deciding whether or not. A big play is pass interference late in the game. I don't know that we fans want that. I don't. Uh, and so I worry that this this rule could actually turn out for the worst. And then finally here in news and notes, I want to play a clip from the new Antonio Brown podcast, The Boomin' Experience. AB played a clip from a phone conversation he and Drew Rosenhaus had during the whole trade negotiation in which they confirmed they were in charge of where he would be traded and he did not won any part of the Buffalo Bills. Exactly. Yeah. I know I'll play out the right way and we'll make the best decision for the the right situation. So We will, man. We will make the best decision. You know, like when the Bills called me today, they said, if we make the trade, what are you guys looking for? And I wouldn't even give them a number because I know you'd rather not go there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, don't even waste time. You know, just look. I mean, we just want to promote the trade as much as possible and take all the you know, encourage you to go down the right way. That's it. You know, and, and, and to make sure we go to a team that we want to play for. They want to make sure they're going to go to a team that they want to play for. And that's how it turned out. 
It's, it's actually a really interesting clip. I encourage you guys to go and I mean, I know you don't want to listen to an A-B podcast, but at least that part of it, the call itself, is actually interesting because you do get an inside look at you know where what teams were interested in and who looked at that point. This seems like it was early in the week before the whole Bills thing blew up. Uh, who was interested? Who was actually involved in this? It sounds like Tennessee was involved. Uh, it sounds like the Redskins were involved at a point. It even sounds like, according to Drew Rosenhaus, the Steelers were open to trading A-B to the Patriots. Now, if they were and the Patriots didn't offer a third and a fifth, that seems a little crazy to me. I wonder how real that that was. But regardless, I do actually encourage you guys to listen to it if you want an inside look at the A-B process. But, you know, look, make note, as, as if there were any doubt, and I don't think there was any, the A-B controlled this through and through. And the reason that the Steelers could only get a third and a fifth for A.B. is because he wanted it that way. He was going to choose where he wanted to go, and as much as the com- the competition from Buffalo might have been better, A.B. wanted nothing to do with it, and the Steelers were helpless to stop him. And then we'll finish up today with comments from both Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin, who were both at the NFL owners' meetings over the past couple days. Let's start with Kevin Colbert and his comments on what was a busy free agent period for the Steelers. I, you know, signing three veteran players is a little unusual for us. But we had the cap flexibility to, to do that type of stuff this year. So when it made sense, we just added players. But we didn't go in with any goal of signing one, two, three. We just always kind of let it unfold. And that's how it ended up being this year. So while Colbert will say, look, we didn't go into this offseason, you know, with one, two or three guys, you know, any number in mind as far as the number of players they were going to sign. I think they did go into this offseason much like they do every offseason wanting to fill their needs through free agency first. And this time, they had some money to do it. I know we talked about going into this process at the Steelers. This might be the year that they actually make a splash in free agency. And I wouldn't say that they did. Right When, you, when you're going around reading grades about who had a great offseason, no one's bringing up the Steelers for signing Mark Barron or, or Steven Nelson. But when you consider what the Steelers normally do around this time, right? The fact that the big contract that they give out is usually around $5 million a year and and no more than that, and then they'll kind of throw out a couple other contracts here or there like they did with Bostic a year ago. This year, I mean, they really went out and threw money around. The, the, the contract that they gave to Steven Nelson is the biggest they've ever given out in free agency, $8.5 million a year in that deal. The Mark Barron deal is $6 million a year over two years, Right. Uh, That's a $12 million contract. And then the Dante Moncrief contract, which I said was a steal yesterday, that's usually the biggest contract the Steelers give out, $4.5 million a year for Dante Moncrief. That usually is the big one. And instead, that's the steal this offseason. That's the smallest contract they gave out to a free agent. So the Steelers did go out and spend some money. Now, they haven't addressed one position yet. He talks about not having a number in mind there. Uh, but I do think, as I said, I do think they wanted to fill some needs. And they filled that need at corner. They filled the need at wide receiver. They filled the need at linebacker or safety or what, you know wherever they're going to play Mark Barron. But they haven't filled tight end yet. They did have James O'Shaughnessy in for a visit while I was gone. James O'Shaughnessy, the tight end from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Remember, the Steelers only have two tight ends right now. They have Vance McDonald and they have Xavier Grimble behind him. Now, Xavier Grimble could come in and play the Jesse James spot, I guess. Uh, Xavier Grimble has never been a guy to this point who's been reliable in that way. And, and Vance McDonald has had some injury problems in the past. So if Vance goes down, do you want Xavier Grimble as your starter going forward? I don't think so. And I think that's why they brought in O'Shaughnessy. And I think they're going to continue to look for a tight end via free agency. But the other thing we should be talking about 
is the fact that I think tight end is very much in play at 20, especially when you consider the fact that the Devons are likely to be long gone by that point. You know, corner could be a position at 20, but I think tight end is very much in play. When you look at how deep tight end is this year and how good it is at the top, when you've got TJ Hawkinson, who's likely to be a top 10 player, you've got Noah Fan, who's one of the most athletic tight ends we've ever seen, Irv Smith from Alabama, very, very good. I mean, this is a great tight end class, and the Steelers certainly have that need. You know, Jesse James leaving via free agency, there's a hole there, and they haven't filled it via free agency. So keep that in mind as we get closer to April. Kevin Colbert was also asked for an update on the Ben extension, which had been expected before free agency started, and now it doesn't sound like it's going to happen before the summer. We're still in negotiations. This is a significant deal for both sides. You know, it's most likely Ben's last contract as a National Football League player, so I think that's, you know, concerning to him. And, of course, we have to make sure that, you know, we're able to compensate him fairly for what he's done and what he can still do for us, and we have to make sure it all fits within our cap constraints. The Ben deal will get done at some point this offseason, but I think that the question here is, is Ben going to give the Steelers a discount here? Are they going to be working with a Tom Brady-type discount? I mean, Brady's only making $20 million a year, so... Yeah, that's definitely not going to be, you know, Ben's not taking a pay cut. He's making 22 right now. But does Ben want to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league the last time these two worked out a deal? The Steelers made Ben Roethlisberger the second highest paid quarterback in the league. If they did that again, they would essentially be giving him $10 million a year more. Aaron Rodgers is making 33 and a half. They gave the Steelers, let's say, if the Steelers gave him, let's say, 32. That's $10 million more than what they're giving him in 2019. That's a lot of that's a lot of cap space to spend on your quarterback right now, especially when you consider how cheap rookies are and these teams with rookie quarterbacks and what they're able to do from a roster construction standpoint, the success that they're having, right? You look at the top quarterbacks in the league. Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr. That's the list of the top six highest paid quarterbacks. None of those guys were in the playoffs in 2018. They, I mean, they're all good quarterbacks, but their teams were not good. And it's, I think I think a large part of that is because those teams did not have the cap flexibility that teams like the Chiefs, teams like the Eagles, teams like the Rams have because of because of the fact that they're saving so much on their quarterbacks. And so the question is, do the Steelers want to put this money in Ben Roethlisberger late in his career? As I said, I think this deal will get done. The question is, is Ben going to make thirty plus, or are they going to get a discount? I think a discount would be somewhere in the range of twenty five to twenty seven million dollars a year. I think that's that's perfectly fair for Ben at the end here. Drew Brees is making around 25 right now at the end of his deal. You hope that Ben would give the Steelers a little bit of a discount here. They're going to have to work on extensions for Juju and James Conner in the coming years. Uh, but I think that's something to watch out for here. How When the Ben extension comes in, just how much is Ben making? Is he Does he approach or does he exceed that $30 million a year mark? Now, moving on to comments from Mike Tomlin. He was asked about the departures of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and how he feels about that, how it's going to affect his team in 2019. You know, uh, I think it's different. You know, Le'Veon's been gone now for some time. So it's, it, for me, it's, I don't view it as if we are just lost Le'Veon Bell. We, we played without Le'Veon Bell in 2018. So there's less feelings regarding, regarding that. Obviously, it's disappointing uh, that, you know, Antonio Brown moved on and He's no longer a member of us, but at the same time, if you've been in this business any length of time, you understand that, you know, people come and people go within this thing. Uh, you can waste a lot of time and energy looking back and, 
and, and things of that nature. I'm focused on the guys that are a part of us, the guys that have a desire to be a part of us, and their improvement and contributions for 2019. So I know Tomlin didn't say a whole lot. There was a lot of coach speak, but I am glad that he addressed the Le'Veon situation by saying, look, we didn't lose Le'Veon this offseason. We lost him last year. He didn't show up in 2018, not 2019. And so, you know, people try to say, oh, how are the Steelers going to deal with the loss of A.B. and Le'Veon in the same offseason? And it's just, it's just not true, right? The Steelers lost Le'Veon last year. They had to find his replacement a season ago. They've done that already. They have James Conner. The questions about 2019 are how do you replace Antonio Brown and can Juju be that guy or is Juju just going to get double teamed on every play and the Steelers have already started to address it by getting Dante Moncrief and they're still going to have to to address some of those issues in the draft as well but that's the real question here is how does this team replace Antonio Brown on offense are are games going to look more like they did in the finale when AB didn't play Juju was getting double teamed on every play and and the Steelers had a really hard time moving the football or can they surround Juju with enough talent that he goes back to being the playmaker that he was in this offense continues to be one of the best in the league. Tomlin was also asked about new defensive coach Terrell Austin, who will be the senior secondary coach, whatever his title is. Tomlin was asked, what is his role going to be on that defense and in the coaching staff? You know, essentially he's a secondary coach, but I'm acknowledging that he brings some unique talents to the table as a secondary coach. Uh, he has experience as a coordinator. He's also a guy that's been on the doorstep on some head coaching positions in recent years and has brings that know-how and that preparation, uh, anticipating using him uh, in terms of some situational things, be it replay and judgment in-game uh, to help us in, in a lot of ways because that's something that he's been preparing for uh, in his aspirations to be a head coach. So he has a lot of uh, additional um, talents that could be beneficial to us beyond his secondary expertise, and I think it's reflected in his title. Tomlin also said at the coaches' breakfast on Tuesday that he plans to use Terrell Austin to help with coaches' challenges. Love to hear that. Tomlin is 0 for 9 in the past two years. 0 for 9. We haven't won a challenge in two years. Now, look, Tomlin has just been bad at choosing when to challenge some of these and the types of plays. He, ch- he ch- chooses to challenge these spot-of-the-ball type plays, which you're never going to win or you rarely ever win. Uh, there was the, the most egregious one to me this season was the game against the Bengals. Now, the Steelers went on to win this football game, but he chooses to challenge a third-down play to Ryan Switzer where could he have made the first down? Maybe, but there's really no TV angle that shows it. He chooses to challenge it anyway, loses the challenge. Then later in the game, I believe it was in the third quarter, Connor scores a touchdown, or what should have been a touchdown. The ball crossed the plane before he was down. The refs call him down at the one. Tomlin elects not to challenge it because, again, you only get two challenges in the game because he missed the first one. He elects not to challenge it there, keep that challenge just in case a bigger play comes up. The Steelers had first and goal from the one anyway. They don't make it. They have to kick a field goal. That game goes down late. Uh, that, that, to me, was the worst of it all. But, uh, you know, Tomlin just hasn't been, he just has not been good over the past couple of years. So glad to see Austin is going to be helping in that way. Hopefully he can also help with a little clock management as well. You know, Tomlin, very bad at challenges, but maybe even worse at clock management. So hopefully he can use Austin or someone else on the coaching staff for that as well. One of the biggest coaching changes the Steelers made this offseason was relieving Joey Porter of his duties. They're really just letting his contract expire. They didn't actually fire him, but they let him, they let his contract expire. They didn't hire anyone in his place that led to speculation and reports that it would be Keith Butler coaching the outside linebackers. Tomlin was asked straight up, who will be coaching 
the outside linebackers in 2019. Keith Butler, um, you know, he's going to coordinate and handle those guys directly. You know, it's become such a hybrid position uh, in today's NFL because we're in sub packet so much that those guys work a lot with the defensive line. So I just thought it was important to, to allow Keith Butler to travel with those guys, to work with them exclusively in outside linebacker play, but to also lead them into a lot of their defensive line work when they'll be working a lot with Carl Dunbar in uh, his group. So Keith Butler will be the defensive coordinator slash outside linebacker coach. It's very good. You know, Butler's done such a great job over the past couple of years. Glad to see they're giving him even more responsibility going into 2019. He really deserves it given how well the defense has played over the past couple of years. I'm actually kidding. I'm actually kidding. I actually don't think this is a bad move. I think having Keith Butler coach the outside linebackers or really having the having these guys kind of shift between Butler but really being coached by Dunbar, the D-line coach, because of how much they're essentially just going to be edge rushers and pass rushers in this league, especially given the amount of sub-package football, as Tomlin says. I actually think this is a smart move. The other thing to consider here is that this is Keith Butler's last year of his deal. If he's fired at the end of this year or if he's you know let go at the end of this year, uh, they're going to bring in a new defensive coordinator. That coordinator can then go out and get an outside linebacker coach if they need to. You know, if the Steelers signed an outside linebacker coach this offseason, they, you know, they're not firing anybody right now, so they have to, have to let his contract expire before the new defensive coordinator can get his outside linebacker coach, all that nonsense. So I actually think this is a good move. I know it's a little silly that Keith Butler, who's been so disappointing as the as the coordinator now, is going to pull double duty in that spot, but I think I actually think it's an okay move. And then the final clip I have here of Tomlin is about Mark Barron and where he fits on the defense, is he, a, is he a hybrid player? Is he a linebacker? Is he a, is he a safety? What is Mark Barron on this defense? Barron had a chance to sit down with him recently. He said that it was simply an injury that moved him from safety to linebacker. Does he fit more in that hybrid role, in your opinion? I, I think that maybe if he was five years younger, he might have been a linebacker. I think a lot of the guys that come into the game now that look like him are wear 50 numbers. And I, and I think that, that it's really a reflection of the evolution, uh, uh, the continual evolution of the game. Um, you know, you get some guys that were highly decorated college safeties like him and like Thomas Davis, who was an All-American safety in Georgia. And over the course of their careers, they transitioned into all situations linebackers because of an, an adaption or uh, an adaptive element that's, that's part of this this game. So it sounds like the Steelers are ready to use Mark Barron as the John Bostick replacement, a three down inside linebacker. You don't have to take him off the field in passing downs like you did with Bostick. The question I have with Barron though is do you trust him against the run? And I really don't. I really don't. I really worry about this team in that kind of soft middle that they've already shown they had. You don't have to go back very far. You go back to that playoff game against the Jaguars a couple years ago to watch Leonard Fournette eat this defense up for five yards a clip. And I just worry that Mark Barron, not saying Mark Barron is Sean Spence, but Mark Barron is not a good run defender. And, you know, he gets pushed out of the way a lot. He, he struggles mightily when in trash. Uh, I, don't, I really don't love this move if the Steelers have to go this way. I still think they'll take one of the Devons if they're there. Uh, and then it becomes a question of do you play Mark Barron and Devin White or Devin Bush at the same time, as I talked about yesterday. But, God, I just, I just don't love the idea of playing Mark Barron on rundowns. And again, this is not to say that John Bostic was a great defender. I think he was good against the run, though. He just left a lot to be desired in the passing game. Barron will certainly be better in that way. 
we'll see. We'll see what happens here with Mark Barron. I, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic. Certainly going to help this team in the passing game. Still have a lot of questions about his ability to stop the run. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com, the email address. You can follow me on Twitter at SteelerCountry. Remember to subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast app or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Tomorrow, we're going to go over where Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Keith Butler, Randy Feekner, the decision makers in Pittsburgh. What pro days have they attended? That usually gives you a glimpse as to who they're keying on in the first round. So we'll talk about that tomorrow, right here on Locked on Steelers.